do you find yourself feeling that things just aren't right? You're not alone. A survey a few years ago of nearly 20,000 people in 27 countries revealed the vast majority of the world believes that society in their country is divided. A decline in trust of people in power, traditional institutions failing and the gap between rich and poor growing at a rapid pace. These are all factors in this feeling that things just aren't right. Well, in an attempt to bring but a fraction of peace to the world, today on Batio Death Trip, we will try and unite two worlds. Two worlds that don't often talk to each other. That's right, professional wrestling and drum analysis. Stick around as we go through our top five favorite drumming songs and our top five favorite wrestling moments. Will mankind make it to number one? Will The Undertaker get a mention? Will there be any songs featuring a splash symbol? Now is the time to find out. Benji, let's do this. Oh, that sounds like one of those vignettes that you would find in the actual wrestling promotions themselves, Reese. That's really kind of geared me up. All I'm waiting for next is Snickers and WWE proudly present Reese-mania. I was holding my cutout uh, Cartman as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's impressive how much synergy there is between professional wrestling and music though because when we were growing up i mean i was a child of um the attitude era i mean i grew up uh, in the early 80s with hulk hogan ultimate warrior the whole kind of very gimmick driven oh look at these characters this guy is a garbage man and this guy has a has a piece of wood he's just got a four by four <laughs> but and but like in the attitude era, it was predominantly kind of like bloodshed and heavy metal and loud guitars and TNA. And then more recently, it seems that wrestling has adopted hip hop. Like, I mean, we're two mm-hmm. weeks away from recording from WrestleMania and the hip hop artist Bad Bunny, who was, if I remember correctly, the biggest selling Latin hip hop artist in the world. He's actually in a marquee match against uh, The Miz. Not a professional wrestler, a personality. So there's always been that synergy. So it's not quite as weird as we think. But then again, we might have some detractors going, wrestling is fake. But then we might have some detractors restart go, the use of a splash symbol that's fake it's all orchestrated uh, man big splash you know is sponsoring the uh the drum circuit i actually put it out to reddit i said what song features the most splash symbol and the answers were like any song by the presidents of the united states the incubus drummer yep. a lot of primus um pearl jam's early drummer dave abruzzi brazisi i don't know how to say his name um apparently in the unplugged set he smashes them um there's a the faded line by Lamb of God is him just like doing double kicks and just smashing a splash. Um, Grim Tormentor by Conan. And do you know who got a lot of mentions? Who? Carter Beauford. And I know you know him because he's the founding member of the Dave Matthews Band. 
That's what, Americans love a splash symbol, is what I've discovered. Well, I mean, is it how much splash is in Ants Marching by Dave Matthews? I honestly don't know any fucking Dave no, Matthews. No, because I, I get, well, no, you will do. I can I can do a brief Dave Matthews before we get into it. Like, bum. And then Dave Matthews comes in. Man, it's weird because international borders aren't open, but I just got kicked to the Matthews Bridge. That was wild. Yeah, or 100%. There you go. That's a big boot, Hulk Hogan style. So the concept is I'm going to pick my five best drumming songs. Now that they're mainstream, I'm not going to go like fucking... Dream, Dream Theater, theater. S. <laughs> oh, no, sh- Jinx, bomb me a coach. No, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not gonna go that wank fest. Of course, there's a bunch of tool songs. You know, like, and I'm not gonna go super, super um, obscure. It's gonna be songs that you all know, and the the drums rule, or the drums drive the song, and they service the song, and um, with with little hints of I'm fucking good. You know that that's kind of what I'm going for. And you're gonna do your five. Yeah, go. Yeah, for me, I'm I could have gone very esoteric. I could have gone down like a whole bunch of Japanese wrestling, a whole bunch of independent wrestling. And I have missed some big things out. This isn't a Dave Meltzer five star rated list. This is basically what I really enjoy, my kind of go to. So if I was to introduce Reese to some professional wrestling, uh, this would be my go-to and for all the wrestling marks that might happen to also listen to our podcast because there's new metal fans in there as well there is a correlation there's a venn diagram me and reese have done the research um it is gonna more be predominantly about storylines uh the end of a really well-crafted angle which is wrestling talk reese for storyline but bits and pieces in there, you've got to have your high spots, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. unfortunately, no TL. Uh, sorry, no. Yeah, no TLC match from SummerSlam 2000. No Cactus Jack, Terry Funk, IWA King of the Death <laughs> matches 1995. Uh, no Kota Will Ospreay. Just you know, good old fashioned bloody American wrestling. How it bloody well should be, mate. Fucking a. Well, look. I'm just going to, before I start, you know, the list mentioning, I'm going to go through some bands that I, I love the drummers of. And it's, I actually thought about this list. It's people that I've either supported, you know, played shows with or seen them up close or seen them side of stage. But a few of these bands you will know. And yeah. I, I'm just going to get it out there. These are the, these are the drummers you should look up. And then we'll, get, the, these are kind of like the, if I was going for cred, here's what I'd go for. You ready? Okay. My Disco, Calling Cure. You, you know 100%. My Disco. Yeah, I know My Disco. A New, a New Zealand band, Secret Knives, uh, Allergy and Dream Disco. Um, yep. I played I played with Ash in Shanghai. It was one of the musical highlights of my life. It was a, one of the best shows. Yeah, I filled in on drums. And it was fucking incredible. Uh, yeah, honestly. Nice. top Maybe even top three, like musical moments. It was just where the crowd was going off, Ash was going off. It just felt right. It was really, really fun. I love that beat so much. I stole it for a, a, one of my own songs, and uh, okay. Ash picked up on that. Uh, any Halla song, of course. True Radical Miracle, Evelyn, a uh, song called Vulture Beat. Evelyn went on to be Pikelet, like an incredible musician, hardcore drummer. There's Darmen from Duck Fight Goose, and she drums in, you know, for Hainan Dao. was a great song. Cold It's, Cold it's Glider, great Melbourne band. Bird Blobs, um, a great Melbourne bland, band, sorry, bland. 
Lauren Hamill from High Tension and Tropical Fuckstorm, incredible drummer. And one of my yeah. favorite ever drummers is also from a New Zealand band. Can you guess which band? I don't know. I, I, I'm either going to say Mint Chicks or Da Da Die, but I could be wrong on both. Nah, you're right. Well, after Tom, or aka Mr. Morrison, um, Mikey from Da Da Die, every fucking song, I'm like, that's a great beat. Surely he'll drop it soon. He never, he never fucks up. He's so energetic. He's just so creative with the drums. A fucking incredible drummer, you know? I mean, um, like, I I still to this day love or loved watching Tom drum because just the whole thing just looked like a fucking rhythmic gymnastics display, the way that he does the rolls and, it, you know. I reckon that guy used to do poi, just the way that he can manoeuvre his hands across a drum kit. He's, he was definitely one of the best drummers in New Zealand. And I'm not saying that because I'm biased. It was just a thing to behold watching that guy drum. Not only does he have great gross motor control for drumming, he has great fine motor control because he spends a lot of time playing Call of Duty on mobile now. So, you know, he's really honed in his skills. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, yeah, and he's a bloody dab hand on on Rock Band. He knows the drill, mate. (laughs) He's like S-rated drumming. Uh, my honourable mentions list, these are bands that just, uh, songs that just missed out. Like, if I had to do a top 10, these would be the, the, the songs that I would go for. And then we'll go through your honourable mentions. Because yours would be more interesting yeah. than mine. Anything off that first Mars Volta album? Yeah. Any, any song off Songs for the Deaf by Queens of the Stone Age? But that's, that's the Mighty Dave, isn't it? It is Mighty Dave. My Chemical Romance, I'm Not Okay. I really like that drummer. Yeah. Here's a song that I you will never you would never pick this. There's a Matchbox 20 song called How Far We've Come. And it, it's like it talks about the end of the world. It has every single beat that I love and if you the band that toured New Zealand thanks to you, if you look at that Matchbox 20 song and just dissected the, the verse chorus, you know, middle eight that's basically all I play. Like, it is fucking so fun. Would so I know fun. the song? Um, potentially. Listen to it after this and tell me it's, oh. it's not just me. It, Tonight, Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins. And lastly, Protest Song 68 by Refused. So that would probably be about, you know, 6 to 10. Um, honorable mentions. I, I can't wait to hear your wrestling stories. I'm kind of rushing yep. through them because I feel like your wrestling stories are, are way more interesting. And I'm going to be way more... Curious about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I reeled off some of my honourable mentions. The honourable mentions would be too, too fucking long to, to go through. So I think, I mean, wrestling is subjective. Some people like um, ECW-style hardcore matches. Other people like complete technical wrestling. Some people, like I mentioned earlier, like the spectacle <laughs> and, like, just the big high spots. So... My advice is for anyone to go visit a website called cagematch.net and then just look under the matches, look under the highest rated because it's all based on audience or um, the opinion of the traffic that visit there. Uh, There's also, again, Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer. He's kind of the gospel when it comes to wrestling matches and just check it out for yourselves but i've managed to narrow it down to five and there's not a japanese match in there so if i was to do an honorable mention it would be 
Jushin Liger versus the Great Muta uh, and the 1996 New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Grade Tour. The Reason fuck are you being saying? A, this is like yeah, when no, I ask yeah, like a young exactly, kid about what exactly. graphics card he's got. Hey, you wanted the story. I'm going to give you the story. It was Jushin Liger is a legend when it comes to junior, well, cruiserweight, cruiserweight wrestling, you know, the juniors, the ones that fly around the ring a lot. And it was on this occasion that he debuted a version of himself called Kishin Liger. It basically, he got so tired of people tearing off his wrestling mask that underneath he had his face painted. And it was basically like an evil demon version of the character that suddenly appeared in the wrestling ring. And, you know, as a teenager that was very curious about Japanese pop culture as a whole. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a, a massive, massive thing for me. Um, there's a whole bunch of uh, Kazuchika Okada stuff, which uh, even casual fans should be aware of. And a whole bunch of, I mean, Kevin Steen's first, well, he's now known as Kevin Owens, his whole run as the Ring of Honor world champion uh, around 2011, it, it's all worth checking out. So those are my honorable mentions. Fucking A. So is, is this Cage Match website, is this like Pornhub for wrestling clips? No, it's like uh, IMDB for wrestling. So you can go and take a look at, say like you wanted to find out, oh, okay, so who else wrestled on, uh, you know, WrestleMania 14 along with um, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus HBK for the w, uh, WWF at the time world championship and it'll give you a list because there were two matches on there that are on my honorable mention list the aforementioned Shawn michaels versus steve austin which got me back into professional wrestling in 1998 and there was also a dumpster match which was the new age outlaws which was a road dog jesse james and badass billy gunn versus cactus jack who you may know as mick foley and a chainsaw charlie who is a legendary wrestler called terry funk and the object of the match for the WWF Tag Team Championship was to lock both members of the opposite tag team into a dumpster. And that was it. So if they couldn't escape the dumpster, the other team had won. And it was my first... No, not, not, not a padlock. That would be a bit silly, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. It just tell me about Cactus knock, Jack. Yeah. Well, knocking, knocking them out and then oh, putting them in. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but it was the first time I kind of experienced like the Mick Foley doing ridiculous shit, like falling from a ladder into a dumpster from a ring. And it, it was just, holy shit, this is amazing. I thought wrestling was all kind of big boots and elbow drops and punching, but this shit is just another level. Have you seen that stuff live? Like the big shows like Undertaker, Man? I... I saw a WCW show. That was my first live wrestling show. Uh, it was around the heyday of Goldberg and Vampiro. Uh, I caught Sting, Scott Steiner going into the crowd, just completely off the chain. He, he's, he's a nut. And then I saw the WWE do a, just it's called a house show. So it's not like a televised event. It's not a big pay-per-view. It's kind of just, getting the name out there, touring around. Uh, and I got to see Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho uh, wrestle, not against each other, but respectively they were on the same show. 
I've never been to a pay-per-view. I've never been to like a televised show. Uh, in New Zealand, I went to a show by um, IPW, and that was brilliant as well. Fun fact, talking about uh, Mr. Morrison, is that he used to work with the Armageddon Cup champion. Uh, I've forgotten his name now. It wasn't that fun if I forgot the name, man. But he knows wrestling. He knows wrestling. He He's familiar, as it were. Yes, sweet. Um, Obviously, we know, you know, spoiler alert, Benji, I hate to break it to you, wrestling is a scripted event. But have any yeah. have any writers gone on to do like huge movies or like go into sitcoms or television shows or vice versa? Writers or or performers? Because writers. when we performers, they're a dime a dozen, aren't they? Exactly, writers. Are you are you calm, man? You're pulling my leg here, right? You know that there's a big name that went from Hollywood to become a writer for the WWE. Freddie Prince Jr. went to write for the WWE for a short while. No way. Yeah, way. He was a writer for WWE Raw. If I remember correctly, one of his ideas was it was meant to be a feud between The Undertaker and a British wrestler called Hayde Vanson, and it never came to fruition. But the idea was that Hayde Vanson was kind of like a Professor X-style character who had like a bunch of mutants. I, I do the bunny ears quotation marks there because no one on a podcast can see what I'm doing with my hands. Oh, uh, and it was the idea of this guy, Hayde Vanson would bring in a number of wrestlers to try and take on the undertaker. And that was one of Freddie Prince jr's ideas. Um, he did a, he's done a couple of podcasts as well, um, which are worth checking out. If I can just, as an aside for a moment, recommend people check out David Arquette um, Cannot Be Killed. Yeah, I've heard about this. I've seen the trailer. It looks awesome. It's fucking brilliant. And the amount of shit David Arquette got because they booked him to be the WCW world champion and then everybody was talking about, oh, that's how WCW died. Awful. And you realize that he is a big, big, big wrestling fan and he not to give the movie away too much, but you can see the dedication that he involves himself with to train, to, to do the bits and pieces. Um, it, it makes you think he was given a bit of a raw deal. And then when you talk to people like Diamond Dallas Page and you find out that Arquette was so respectful of the wrestling, uh, of wrestling, of the, uh, the hallowed, con- uh, hallowed institution of professional wrestling that when they said, right, you're going to win the WCW world heavyweight championship. He was like, I can't do that. No one will like it. People will hate me. And any money that he made from WCW, he donated to Owen Hart's family who sadly passed away around that time. Brian Pillman's family who were kind of struggling because he passed away. And I, if I remember correctly, he also donated money to a guy called Darren Drozdov. Um, who, if you watch the documentary Beyond the Mat, uh, his big thing in that movie is that Vince McMahon says, oh, okay, you can puke on command. I think that should be that should be your character. Yeah, he's got to puke. He's got to puke. He ended up getting paralyzed in an in-ring accident and Arquette donated some money to him as well. So, yeah, 
I, I just, if you're a casual wrestling fan and you're lazy and you go, oh, David Arquette, yeah, didn't he kill WCW? Fuck you, man, because he, he knew exactly the problems with that. And the documentary is amazing. But yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. went from Hollywood to WWE and then went back to just, I don't know, living the good life with Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's awesome. And what did Billy Corgan... Billy Corgan's, like, really involved with it, isn't he? Didn't he buy... It? Well, Billy he... Corgan bought the NWA, uh, which back in the 70s and 80s was the big wrestling promotion. Um, I wanna, I'm want i going to try and abbreviate this down to, to give you the importance, Reese, about the NWA. Um, back in ye, old, ye olden times, their wrestling was televised locally. Uh, like imagine in Australia, they've got like a couple of different smaller wrestling promotions, like in, in Melbourne, uh, like in New South Wales, maybe all the way to Perth and stuff like that. And they would be all under, say, like one big banner because they're different territories within a country. So like a lot of places in America, like uh, around Atlanta, New York, California, places like that would have their own small wrestling promotions, but it would be all under the NWA umbrella. You know, they'd be like General Electric and uh, the smaller companies would be like the subsidiaries. And the NWA would have uh, a one world champion, uh, the most famous being either Ric Flair, Harley Race or uh, Dusty Rhodes, if you will. Uh, And um, they would tour these territories uh, to represent the NWA. So it was a big bloody deal. Billy Corgan bought the NWA to try and reboot it. You can check some of the uh, Billy Corgan era NWA on YouTube, just to search for NWA power. And it's brilliant because he captures the kind of early 80s, like they use Dokken as the uh, theme for their wrestling promotions. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a big fan, but even before then, he would be in the audience for WWE events. He had an on-screen role for uh, TNA, or Impact Wrestling as it's called now, uh, where he helped incorporate some of the music there, like Marilyn Manson. Oh, you can't talk about him anymore. Delete that. He had a uh, Doll Parts by Hole. He managed to get that used for a wrestling company. Um, yeah, so he's he's... He is a big wrestling fan, and he's got the money to open both a tea shop and own what was once the biggest wrestling company or the biggest wrestling organization, not just in North America, but around the world. Is there a wrestling website that you, you go to and check out? Like, Is that a daily occurrence? You'll go check out wrestling news somewhere? <laughs> is it yeah, Squared it Circle on Reddit? Yeah, it's Squared Circle on Reddit. You know, They basically compile... compile yeah, it's Squared Circle on Reddit. They basically compile all of the news and rumors. It used to be like dirt sheets, but then they also kind of paraphrase for good and bad. Uh, Wrestling Observer Radio, bits and pieces like that. So, yeah, I go to Squared Circle. So R forward slash Squared Circle. Mm-hmm. There's also Cultaholic, which is a bunch of British wrestling fans. They've got a YouTube channel. Uh, what culture wrestling uh it's kind of a polarizing website slash uh youtube channel 
Uh, Simon Miller, I absolutely love Simon Miller. He's worth checking out as well. So, yeah, but Squared Circles, like my, my main stop when it comes to wrestling news, and then I'll catch bits and pieces on uh, YouTube. Sweet, man. Well, look, this is going to be a really one-sided podcast, and I'm here for that because I'm just going to be like, this drum, these drums are sick, and then it's just going to go over to you, who's got like more to expand on stories to kind of dive into. You know, I don't really have, Yeah. I, I was really just going for energy and vibe in these songs. So it's nothing. I can't add more. I'm not smart enough to add anything more than fucking just listen to it. Like, it's so good. You know, like, because I'm, I'm a big dum-dum. But let's get straight into it, Benj. Number five. All right. Coming in at number five. I'm like, God above. I thought I was on Zoo fucking morning Zoo radio <laughs> just then, man. What's the latest wow, part you've we- ever done? Can I do a hi? You're listening to Reese and a Yorkie here on Radio Reese. Number five. Number five are my hot drum tracks. We've got <laughs> one more time. I don't. I don't care. I don't care if I'm late to whatever meeting we've got. Can we just do that one more time? And now on the radio with Reese and a Yorkie, it's number five. Coming in hot at you. We got at the driving with Cosmonaut. Um, amazing energy on this song. It is just so much fun. It is when you think, if you know the song, I I can't go back to Relationship of Command very often. Like fuck, I love that album, but going back to it, I just don't gel with it nearly as much. How come? I think it's really just the lyrics. I think it's really the lyrics. I was like, what are you saying? They're what? poetic though. Not really. Like, they are. I, I feel like it's the just... The station is non-operational. Th- there's more... Look... Sputnik sickles found in the sea. It's, um... Anyway. It's 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 thesaurus.com on a mushroom trip. <laughs> it's autocorrect for an intellectual that's had one too many kind of, yeah. you know, stimulating conversations. And now uh, my entire autocorrect is actually full of words that are nuanced. Yeah. And, uh, and look, Law of Averages suggests... You fucking throw that many syllables out there, something will, you know, it's it's that a thousand monkeys kind of theory, isn't it? So, great lyrics in this, but when 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 his vocal performance starts to get really like uh, loose and unhinged and way more chaotic, the drums are actually quite steady, but the open hi hats, and I'm not a fan of open hi hats, but you know the exception that proves the rule. But when he's not singing, the drums are like the intro, especially, is just pretty chaotic, and I. I, I like the, the dichotomy there, you know, when he, he, he steps back, the drummer steps back. I should actually know his name, but fuck, if you've got this far into the podcast, just don't come to me for research or facts. Yeah, you know? fuck it. His name is John Drummerson. John Drummerson. At number five. Number five. Coming in hot is John Drummerson. Sorry, I see cold <laughs> cans of Coke. Um, So, yeah, I just really like that. It also was had a special moment because the, the Melbourne Marathon is a piece of shit because it starts really easy. And then from yeah. about 32K onwards, there's just a hill. And you're like, no. And you're it finishes in the MCG. But from 32K onwards, you get right near the MCG, the cricket ground. And then you're doing like another 7K. And then you start to get back towards you. Like, I was just there. Couldn't we just end it now? And just when I was like at my lowest and I felt my the the... The skin between my toe, my little toe just explode and blood was filling my sock. That song came on. I was like, I can do this, you know, and just it's a great combination of 
fun drums that pull back at, at the right times and push forward at the right times. Benj, what is your number five top wrestling match? Do I uh, not even get a <laughs> number five? It's the same thing. I would do a number four as well and everything like that. Um, No spoilers, but yes. Uh, okay. Well, I, I know four comes before five, so... Uh, okay, number five is quite a recent one with regards to this list. It is um, Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championship at AEW Revolution 2020. Reese, are you familiar, even in passing, of Tony Khan's wrestling company, AEW? Uh, I only know AEW. I don't know what it means. I thought it might be like a, a root caller or something, but no. That's... No, it's uh, all, all elite wrestling, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's a, it's a relatively new company. I think it's been around for maybe two, three years now. And it was basically made as a kind of rebuke towards uh, WWE's entertainment style thing. I, you know, we needed a good, we haven't had a good wrestling challenge since WCW versus WWF. You know, we haven't had a, a good kind of, all right, well, let's creatively try and push one another. And uh, the match hangs around the fact that Kenny Omega, who's an incredible wrestler, uh, and Hangman Page are in the same stable, the same wrestling group as the Young Bucks. And as an aside, all four of them were kind of the founders of AEW. So if you're a wrestling mark like myself or a smart, smart mark, you know, likes to peek behind the curtain backstage to see what's going on, uh, you realize, yeah, sorry, man, this is what you wanted. So if if you're a wrestling mark, if you know the ins and outs behind the scenes backstage, you'll realize that there's a whole lot of significance with this uh, with this match. And also there's the idea that the Young Bucks are the one of the premier tag teams in professional wrestling today. Full stop. Kenny Omega is called the best bout machine because of the amount of five-star matches that he had in Japan. Uh, he was the first foreign wrestler to win New Japan's G1 Climax, which is their biggest uh, wrestling tournament. And then you got Adam Page, who was viewed as kind of like, you know, the runt of the litter. And I mean that with all the respect, you mm-hmm. know. that. So the idea is that, well, the Young Bucks are seasoned tag team wrestlers, but Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are good singles wrestlers themselves. So what dynamic is going to provide, well, what dynamic is going to be most prevalent? Is it going to be, two very good singles wrestlers in their own right combining up or is it going to be the best tag team in the world that perhaps in terms of singles wrestling they're not as good but together they are fantastic and it's a it's a really good match i believe it got either four and a half or five stars with Meltzer. Um, it's tag team wrestling as of late before AEW seemed to be just a kind of mechanic to push storylines like well this guy this guy don't get along and they're about to engage in a Mm. title feud so let's put them in a tag team for a little bit and let's see if they can coexist and then we can break them up and they'll be like 
No, you lost my tag team title. No, you lost my tag team title. And build up a form of animosity there. They always do it. Stone Cold HBK. Stone Cold Dude Love. Two of the big ones there. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just, it was really good to see tag team wrestling at the forefront done really well. And not just as a mechanic for single storyline. It was a mechanic for a couple of storylines going on. And it culminated with what happened at AEW Revolution. And if you like high-flying wrestling and you like taut kind of close calls and stuff like that, it's definitely one of the best tag team matches recently that you can get into. And it's pretty readily accessible as well. You don't have to go search on Kazar or LimeWire for something like that. But what happens if you want the new Edema track? Oh, yeah, you know, if you want that, like, Deftones Tool cover uh, crossover that, you know, wasn't actually Deftones nor Tool and was just basically a screensaver that stole all your credit card details, um, you stick to LimeWire and Kazar. But if you want to check out a really good tag team wrestling bout, check out AEW's, uh, well, Revolution 2020 bout between omega page and the young bucks and if we had advertising we could have gotten a free subscription with fight tv but you can check out a lot of these wrestling matches that aren't wwe centric on fight tv where's our check number four well it's interesting that you mentioned fight tv because in my hometown uh we had fight kfc hey you get a zingerberg oh. and get your head caved in on a saturday night it was pretty good um just quickly before we go into number number four um, yeah. Do you listen to the Stone Cold podcast? Yeah, I do. The Broken Skull Sessions. Yeah, they're very good. I used to listen to Talk is Jericho, but then he ended up getting a lot of anti-vaxxers and right-wing personalities. And then I found out that Chris Jericho um, donated towards the Trump campaign, his, the most recent Trump campaign. And I loved Chris Jericho, and I still do love Chris Jericho, but as a person, it's, you know, like, each to, each to their own, but, like, I thought Chris Jericho was this, was this cool individual, and he does cool things, but fuck, man, like, if you're providing a platform and young people are into the wrestling that you do, and also Fozzy, man, like, it's kind of dangerous getting like anti-vaxxers and stuff like that on board. Thankfully, wrestling fans, believe it or not, Reese, aren't idiots. It's really weird. It's really sad, sorry, I should say, because just I've talked about this in the Slipknot episode. Social media just makes you realize that the people you think are cool because they write great songs or albums that you love, they're actually kind of fucking stupid fucks. <laughs> Steph Carpenter, for example, fucking came out as a flat earther on a podcast. Like, what the fuck's oh, with that? Kyrie yeah. Irving's a flat earther. Oh, man, just shut the fuck up, guys. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's I Look, the world is full of things I, I don't personally understand, and you guys don't understand. It doesn't mean that everything is Occam's razor. It's like, I'm not falling off. So it's definitely flat. But, yeah, for years I thought Steph seemed pretty cool. But, you know, the huge baggy cargo shorts probably should have tipped me off. So, you know, fool me once, shame on you for me twice well you won't for me again you know number four number four number four in the top five hottest drumming tracks wonder what you'll think about this it's an lcd sound system song 
Oh, okay, cool. I wasn't expecting this. No, we well, weren't expecting Matchbox Twenty either. So fucking buckle I up. Can't, I can't. I kind of fucking was Reese. I'll be, I'm not gonna lie. You, I can see it in your eyes, mate. There's a certain, certain je ne sais quoi when it comes to music with you, man. What song will I say then? Well, at number four. Yeah, which all I don't know. What else? Oh, I just said. Uh, oh no, no. Which else did he say? Don't edit that out. No, I will not. That's All My Friends by LCD Sound System. And if you know that song, it's the same piano riff, I guess, the whole time. And it just builds and builds and builds. It's got great energy, great um, running song. But the drums, you think they don't change, but actually they kind of do get a bit looser and a, and a few more rolls and, a, and a, a bit more flair. And it's just to keep that beat for the whole time and for that song to not remain boring, is, is really, really good because I'm sure at times other drummers, other less disciplined drummers, would have gone to the ride and just started bashing it. I'm talking about myself here. You know, I would have been splashing, splashing away down there. But just to keep it on the hi-hats the whole time is really, really good. You know, opening them up at certain points just to add little accents here and there was really, really great. And I just love that. Here's the groove. I'm going to stick in it. Everyone else... You find the groove too and fucking do whatever you need to do, you know? It is a fucking fun-ass song and it would be fun to play live. If not tiring, yeah, definitely tiring, but very, very fun. I noticed that there's a theme whenever we talk about drums is that for you it's the importance of something that services a song rather than over-embellishes a song. Is this list going to fundamentally be tracks that keep the beat that service it that are slightly nuanced with their changes or have you got like a john bonham style fucking drum moby dick solo coming up later in the list no definitely yeah you've picked my theme which is quite weird because when i play drums i do not hold back and i just go nuts so i do not follow my own words i you know i i'm a hypocrite all right i'm a drumming hypocrite but this is what I like. And if I look, if I was patient and if I was smarter and more disciplined, that's how I would drum. I just have near zero control of my limbs when I get excited behind a drum kit. And that's not my fault. That's biology. And it's society's fault, you know? Yeah, blames fuck society. We live in a society. True. So that's my number four. Um, Benji, what is your. Number four. It's a uh, Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan uh, for I the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 30. Did you know I was going to say it? Yep, 100%. What, why, what did you, what made you think that would be on the list? It's just, you know, the vibe, the energy. Uh... <laughs> We're talking about wrestling. We're not, you're not a sommelier. Calm down, <laughs> man. No, it's the oaky aftertaste. It's uh, Daniel Bryan is responsible for people chanting yes, 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 and pointing their fingers up in the air. This, how did he come up with it? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, that's something you might have to listen to a, a, a podcast when he's doing his top four finger pointing moments of all time. <laughs> I like the one where I point at the roof. Yeah, I like the thumbs up. That's always my favorite. It gets me from A to B when I'm on the road. I'm Daniel Bryan. Don't know what this accent's all about, but hi, I'm Daniel Bryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it was the height of Daniel Bryan's popularity. But, you know, if you ask me, he's always been popular. It was the uh, wrestling audiences just fed up with being fed what the company believes they should like rather than what is organic and what the fans themselves like. It was unfortunate for Dave Batista, uh, who went on to do Guns of the Galaxy, and he did fucking Blade Runner as well. It was a short scene, but it was integral. Uh, he came back at that year's Royal Rumble, won it, but everybody felt that Daniel Bryan, with, with how hot he was, how popular he should have won it, and so that this whole kind of storyline where Daniel Bryan occupied uh, WWE Raw, so a whole bunch of uh, fans, there's those quotation marks again, uh, entered the ring and refused to move unless Triple H, who was kind of an authority figure at the time, uh, made Daniel Bryan or allowed Daniel Bryan to wrestle him at WrestleMania under the proviso that if Daniel Bryan won, he would then be included in the Randy Orton Batista main event and it would be a triple threat. And it was just a real feel-good fucking story, Reese. It was like an underdog that overcame everything. And by the end of it, spoiler alert, he did win um, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. They call it the Miracle on Bourbon Street because it was being held in New Orleans that year. It's just A, Daniel Bryan's one of the fucking best wrestlers in the world, and I'd kill to see him versus Kenny Omega. I would have killed to have seen Kurt Angle, if that name rings a bell, versus, you know, a prime Kurt Angle versus Daniel Bryan. I would have killed to have seen that, but it was just a culmination of the fans just sick to death of not being listened to by a company that continually is telling you, this is the guy that you need to support. We don't care what you guys think is good. This is the guy you need to support. And them just taking a knee and going, all right, okay, we need to let the wrestling fans get what they want, and then we can ruin it for them for the rest of the year. Uh, so an incredibly good wrestler doing it twice in one night, overcoming all the odds, really good underdog story, coming out victorious, and... Again, in, in terms of storylines, it's the nicest feel-good moment that you could ever, ever possibly have in terms of wrestling. It's as close to Macho Man reuniting with Elizabeth from an early 90s WrestleMania than you can get in terms of the fans being receptive, which was needed, Reese, because that was the very same WrestleMania that The Undertaker lost to Brock Lesnar and the whole undertaker wrestlemania streak had ended which completely took the wind out of everyone's fucking sales in the audience because everybody thought this is a mistake right they've botched this the undertaker can't lose and no he lost so it tempered that kind of i still can't go over that the undertaker has lost uh, and it's brilliant it's well worth checking out i believe it's free on wwe's youtube channel as well so check it out yes 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 so i was right it was the vibe and the energy fucking there we go there you go like a like a fucking uh fight kfc you you know in like football or whatever when they win the the premiership or the championship they get extra money so there's more incentive to try hard and you know the coaches everyone gets a bonus the team gets a bonus but in wrestling you don't get a say if you win or lose so is everyone just paid like a stock wage and how do they gauge the wage how do you gauge the gauge the wage Raw is war. Well, it used to be 
it used to be that the main event is the champions get paid more. I don't know what the equity's like anymore in, in wrestling. I would say that the more merchandise that you end up selling, the company's really happy about that. So you get pushed further up the card. You get a bit more of the limelight. I mean, we're talking about a profession that isn't predominantly based on money, unless you are Brock Lesnar. Uh, you're talking about a hallowed profession that is symbolic with cutting your teeth, getting up in the hierarchy, and you can say, I've held a wrestling championship. Stockbrokers don't go into wrestling. Wrestling fans go into wrestling or amateur wrestlers and sports types, but they don't normally last. But Vince McMahon's not short of a penny, though. No, absolutely not. And I mean, that's the reason why you don't see wrestling unionized. I mean, Jesse Ventura tried in the 80s and then that racist fucking snake Hulk Hogan, come at me, bro, um, put a quash on that. And then Jesse Ventura ended up being uh, blackballed, for lack of a politically correct term, uh, from the industry. Well, on that note, Benj, we've got to wrap it up here. But, but listeners, I hope you will come back to the next episode where we will go over our top three drumming songs and top three wrestling moments all right benj thanks so much man and i'll catch you on the next episode